0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to to Apologetics. Pumped to join us today to have Dr. Scott Davison. He's a professor of philosophy at uh, Moorhead State University, where we talk about the problem of evil and looking at like an intrinsic value theodicy. Scott, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm super pumped looking at like a theodicy and like a contribution you made to the Blackwell Companion to the problem of evil. So before we get into it, do you want to talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. I'm a professor of philosophy at Moorhead um, State University here. For some years, I work in the philosophy of religion, but also in value theory and metaphysics. Uh, my PhD is from the University of Notre Dame. And before that, I earned some degrees in philosophy also from the Ohio State University. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Oh, super cool. So let's dive into this and just start thinking like, so what exactly is your like theodicy that you're bringing forward here?
1: So this, uh, this picture that I'm talking about, we're, we're talking about an article in the um, Oxford studies in philosophy of religion. And it, it's based on a book I published in 2012 about the intrinsic value of everything. It's really trying to take uh, advances or, or rediscoveries in value theory and apply those to the task of theodicy, which mm-hmm. is trying to explain why God might have created the world that we see or something like it. And um, I should just pause before I, I want to say a couple of things before we start um, getting into the details of the theodicy. There are some people who think that the very activity of theodicy is a bad thing and that we shouldn't be trying to identify what God's reasons might be for permitting evil in the world. And some of their explanations I have a lot of sympathy for. So we don't want to add to the suffering of people who aren't sure why God would permit that. And I don't want to be uh, suggesting that the article that I wrote or the work that I'm talking about today is something that would be helpful to people who are actually suffering. It's more of an abstract exercise in ideas, trying to think about what kinds of good things there are in the world and, and what kind of reasons God might have. So I just want to put that out there first. You know, the purpose of this paper is not really to try to reduce suffering, and I hope certainly that it doesn't make suffering worse. That's one of the things people say about theodicy. The other thing I want to say is that um, when we talk about intrinsic value, I think we're, we're looking at a Uh, a kind of rediscovery of this idea of things having value in themselves that's been neglected for a long time and it may have some really interesting applications here in the philosophy of religion that have been neglected i think we might be seeing um get sort of understanding better what the medievals thought about this question and why they didn't take the problem of evil as seriously as we do because of their value theory and so Mm -hmm. i want to try to Take these ideas and put them together in a way that helps us look at the problem in a fresh way. So that's kind of a preliminary uh, Mm -hmm. thing before I talk about the theodicy
0: itself. Mm -hmm. Well, that's super great, Scott. And I like your preliminaries. And I apologize that I said the Brackwell Companion to the Problem of Evil. That's my bad. Um, Got that one wrong. Um, But (laughs) uh, mistakes do happen. So it's interesting to me thinking about like this theodicy and what's going on here. Um, And like looking at value theory, because like to me, like thinking about values, like a super important question. Um, So maybe you want to talk a little bit about like what is value theory and like how is that going to play in like um, spelling out your theodicy?
1: Sure. So uh, value theory is the study of basically um, what's good and what's bad and and how are how we know about those things and how they generate reasons for us and for other beings that are like us. Um, but I think the idea of intrinsic value, although it was popular in the early 20th century, um, now is enjoying a kind of a renaissance and interest. And I think we're just sort of, sort of recovering from the dings uh, the that value theory took around the turn of the 20th century when the logical positivists were kind of uh, holding influence and, and their uh, restrictions on what counted kind as of meaningful language really hit value theory and ethics generally very hard along with metaphysics and theology. And we, we've crawled out from under that, I think, a little bit in these other areas more than value theory. So I'm sort of hoping that the conversation that I'm having here about theodicy will help other people also look at intrinsic value again more carefully. I think it's tempting to dismiss intrinsic value because people feel that the universe is sort of on its own, a neutral place, and that value comes from creatures having desires or or God having desires. And I think intrinsic value is a a really different approach. It suggests that things have value in themselves, whether or not anybody appreciates them properly. And so I'm sort of hoping that we can have a conversation about value theory that leads to uh, a better appreciation for this, this idea of value of things in themselves.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's super good. So like, let's go into this theodicy then. So we're trying to like understand like why God allows evil, um, like, what is this, like, what, what's going on here? What's, the, what's the theodicy that you're bringing forward?
1: Okay. So the big picture on this, uh, this thing that I'm just suggesting for exploration, by the way, I'm not saying I believe it's true or that I know that it's true. I'm just sort of exploring it in this paper and suggesting that other people explore it also is the idea that everything that exists in the universe has some degree of intrinsic value, maybe really small in some cases, like a grain of sand. And you and I have a significantly higher degree of intrinsic value. But the universe is full of a bunch of things and the universe itself as a whole is a thing of an immense intrinsic value it's a, a giant thing that's connected in really interesting ways. And that that value the intrinsic value of the universe as a whole provides God with a justifying reason for creating the universe, not a requiring reason but a justifying one. And then the final suggestion is that the evil we see in the world is is offset by the intrinsic values of the creatures that are affected by those evils together with the total intrinsic value of the universe that comes from its regularity and interconnectedness. So that's the kind of big picture. And I guess the missing element here or the new idea is that previous attempts to talk about theodicy have included the idea of looking at the world as a whole, included the idea of the regularity of the universe, but not really included the idea that all the particular things in the universe have their own intrinsic value or the idea that the universe as a whole could have a very high degree of intrinsic value. So that's what I'm trying to bring to the table. It's a
0: little bit mm. This kind of gets to me, like, when I think about your theodicy, I think about the question of, like, you know, sometimes in the problem of evil debates, it's talking we'll talk about, like, animal suffering or something like that. And there's a question of, like, um, like, if there's so much suffering in, like, the rainforest, like, why don't we just, like, burn down the whole rainforest to, like, get rid of all the suffering? And then, like, most people are like, no, like, it's a bad idea to burn down the rainforest. That's why we have, like, efforts to preserve it, even though there's a lot of suffering. And I think your theodicy really helps and hints at the idea of like, well, why is that the case? Well, because there's value in it, even though they're suffering, like there's a lot of value even in the natural world with everything going on. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's good.
1: That's a good connection. Yeah. So even if the rainforest didn't benefit us in some way, you know, even if we couldn't extract uh, you know, miracle medicines or anything like that, just the fact that the rainforest is what it is, a complicated interdependent system with all these creatures living in it, each of which has some intrinsic value. That makes it a valuable thing worth preserving on its own right and Mm -hmm. so um and and even though there is suffering in the in the rainforest and suffering in the natural world in general one of the things one of the points i try to make in the paper is that uh pain and suffering are not things that exist kind of on their own they're they're, they are um, things that creatures experience and to be a creature that's capable of experiencing pain in the first place is to be a pretty complicated impressive thing of a significant intrinsic value so um, the, the intrinsic value of the creature alone in my language helps to offset the pain that it experiences because you couldn't have the pain without the creature you could have the creature without the pain and I guess that's the question that always comes up is why doesn't God make a completely pain-free set of creatures and objects Then, and I guess my response to that is it would have to be as Peter van Vanewagen says, a massively irregular world. If you could try to imagine a system without pain or death, um, pain seems to be a natural response to um, threats and damage in your environment. It's hard to see exactly how you could have a biological world of uh, creatures that reproduce without pain. So that's a thumbnail sketch of, of what I'm thinking there about the creatures in the world and why their intrinsic values are connected to to the evil of pain if pain is indeed um I mean some people assume that pain is intrinsically bad I think I'm not sure about that Mm -hmm. pain is something that we have a reason to try to eliminate uh where we can in most cases but I'm not sure that it's intrinsically bad that's a different question um I really hesitate about that that's something I talk about in my book on intrinsic value a little bit but I'm not. I'm not absolutely convinced that pain is intrinsically bad. People
0: sometimes assume that without argument. I haven't really seen a good argument for that yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I share the same sympathy as you. Like, surely when I run, like, I have some sort of like pain and suffering, but like that doesn't mean it's like intrinsically like evil for me to run or like bad for me to run. Um, so yeah, something there. So usually, yeah, usually yeah. Your,
1: your pain is instrumentally good in the sense that it gives you some information you need. Uh, but sometimes pain is pointless in the sense that it's not helpful. Um, but even then, I'm not sure we should say that it's intrinsically bad. It certainly prevents us from doing what we want to do. And some really horrible pains, of course, are, are things we would never wish on anyone. Uh, but but the question whether it's intrinsically bad is really a different question than that.
0: Mm. That's good. So I wonder then, Scott, like one of the things that you've talked about is like having a theodicy that like you could even say is like naturalistic. Um, So like what makes you like this theodicy looking at intrinsic value and saying like, hey, like states are are valuable in and of themselves. Like what makes it naturalistic and like what does that really mean?
1: I'm glad you asked this question. That's something I meant to mention at the beginning, too, because uh, the name of your podcast about apologetics, I can imagine your audience is thinking, is this theodicy uh, useful? in some way for apologetics mm-hmm. and i think if uh if your audience is mostly christian that they, they would probably find the naturalistic element of this theodicy to be really weird um and i think that that makes a lot of sense but it also has some kind of apologetic interest for a different reason so i call it naturalistic because um i don't appeal to anything that in in the explanation uh of the the picture i don't appeal to anything that, that you would call supernatural and that by that i mean also not just like um the survival of death or uh, an immaterial soul but also even libertarian freedom and so um i i try to uh bracket all those questions i don't assume any divine intervention in the world besides just creation And, and and the reason why i'm doing that is because um for a number of reasons i think we've in the in In approaching the problem of evil, we've relied too much as philosophers on free will to do a lot of the work. And I think it doesn't really do all the work people want it to do. It doesn't remove responsibility from God, even if we have free will. Um, You can be more than one person can be fully responsible for the same thing, for instance. Um, and, And the value of free will itself, it's not clear that it would be sensible for God to permit the evil that comes from free will just for the sake of the free will even though there are good things that can only be had in that way it seems uh it's just a really hard call Uh, laura ekstrom has written a really excellent book on this recently about the value of free will so looking at the history of approaches to evil i was thinking what if we didn't make those assumptions and also i wanted somebody to be able to think about this question without assuming a kind of supernatural theistic picture so this goes to the apologetic uh, task or, or the value of this approach if somebody's interested in the possibility of there being a God and wonders about the problem of evil, but doesn't want to go along with any particular religious tradition and assuming that there will be survival of life after death and we do have free will, maybe we, we have spirits or souls, you know, they just can't go into that go into that stuff. Um, this, this approach at least provides them with a way to think about the problem of evil that doesn't assume all those things. So for some people, I can imagine this could be a bridge into theism to think about the possibility that there might be an answer to the problem of evil without requiring them first to be committed to a bunch of things that they feel um aren't scientific in some
0: sense Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's super cool and i like that idea because i think about it and i'm like when i think about your theodicy i'm thinking like okay i don't have to like appeal like you said to like some sort of like supernatural like agency to explain um Maybe like God gave us free will or God wants us to like build our souls or things like, that. like, like in your theodicy, we don't have to do that. What you have to do is appeal to value and say like this world is valuable. And I think that is super helpful. And I think it is like a great approach because it makes like it, like if it works, it makes like the task of the theodicy, like the theodicy like a lot simpler, I would think, um, because you don't have to say like there's a greater good for, ev-. or would you think we should have to say there's a greater good of every evil? Like, what do you think on that? I think I think what I want to say is that uh, every
1: evil that we can identify is connected to intrinsically good things in such a way that you could not you could not have the evil without those good things, and the the value of the good things kind of swamps the the evil of the evil things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a complicated question in certain cases. Um, we had We had talked earlier about um, the case of so-called horrendous evils. Uh, Marilyn Adams talks about these. Uh, cases where people suffer things that are so horrible that it makes them makes us wonder makes them wonder whether their lives on the whole could be good or whether they could be meaningful and so uh, in those cases we want some kind of explanation of the cause of the evil or the reason why it's permitted that enables us to kind of understand how the evil could be defeated in a way that the person who suffered it finds meaningful and i think that's the direction that a lot of uh thinking about the problem of evil has moved in. Since she identified that question, it's a kind of agent-centered restriction on a solution to the problem of evil, that somehow, whatever the answer is, the reason why God permitted this, it must be the case that, um, that, that what they've suffered somehow becomes a meaningful part of a good life on the whole for them. And that leads people mostly in the direction of thinking about survival in the next life, because for some people who suffer horrendous evils, there's there's no time because sometimes that involves also the end of their lives, and so um, Eleanor Stump's recent work on the problem of evil is designed to to show how, from a Christian perspective, and this with the sufferings of Jesus, how uh, it's possible in an afterlife for even horrendous evils to be overcome and defeated uh, in a certain way, and I, I would leave the details to her to explain how that goes. But my my approach here, this this kind of very tentative possibility of a theodicy doesn't really take up the question of horrendous evils so there's a a kind of gap there um, that um, if you just had my story about why god created the world and nothing else it might lead you to wonder about whether even given the, the intrinsic goodness of the universe as a whole and all the things in it it still might lead you to wonder whether god is in some sense, indifferent to those horrendous evils, and that that's one of the reasons I think people are hesitant to uh, engage in theodicy because they don't want to send that signal, uh, which I understand. Um, so th- there's this theodicy doesn't really take on the question of horrendous evils directly, and uh, for that reason, it's not going to be satisfying to a lot of people, and I, I accept that uh, as a problem from the outset. Mm.
0: Okay, that's super helpful. So, like what then about your theodicy? Um, what I'm wondering then is like thinking about like what makes the universe a thing of immense value? So some people may wonder, like, okay, let's say it's like naturalistic, you know, if the people are like um this like divine intervention or after- afterlife or things like this, but, like what makes our universe such a thing of like immense value? Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts there, Scott?
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. It's hard for people who have, who are influenced by what I would say is the lingering effects of logical positivism it's hard for people to think about this clearly i think and so it takes a little bit of prodding Uh, so now i'm talking about uh, the intrinsic value of things uh just considered on their own uh, for a bit here so um i think most people would tend to say they they think it's the scientific picture of the world that the that everything that exists is basically neutral it's not good or bad Uh, you know the, the moon is there there is a moon but it's neutral it's not good it's not a good moon you know it's just, I mean, it's not a bad moon either, but it's just a moon, you know, it's just there. And so what I'm trying to argue is that even ordinary objects of experience that we run into, like other, other animals and plants and objects, they all have some degree of intrinsic value, which is a value they would have even if they uh, existed without relations to any other thing. So this value doesn't depend on their being valued by people or recognized or used or being useful it's just a value that's inherent or intrinsic to the thing and, and the way that things have that value is that they have certain basic structural features that make them what they are those features by themselves are the basis on which a, a, a well-trained properly functioning value or would value those things for their own sake not for the sake of some other purpose that would be instrumental value and so god uh, if god exists would be the perfect valuer and would, would recognize the these qualities in everything and the degree to which things are valuable and, on their own um the, the the argument that i used in the book to try to motivate this idea is something i call the annihilation test it's a replacement for what other thinkers proposed, such as an isolation test in my i not in my annihilation argument it goes like this imagine we had a chamber you could put something into and push a button, and it would annihilate it completely—like not break it into bits, but just make it disappear altogether. And then imagine, like I have uh, six pet rabbits right now. I run a kind of rabbit refuge in my backyard. And mm-hmm. so, if I took one of these rabbits and put it in that box, and then push the button, the rabbit disappeared forever. Um, I think a properly functioning person, a properly functioning valuer. On seeing that change in the world, would we, would respond to it by saying, We've lost something of value. Now it's not maybe not a huge thing. Uh, maybe it's not the same as if, uh, if one of my kids got in there by mistake and pushed the button, uh, we might say that's worse. Or if there was a, uh, a snail that crawled in there, we'd say that's less. Uh, but but the idea is you wouldn't treat it the same as if nothing had happened. You know, if you push the button on the empty machine, you would say nothing's changed. But when there's a rabbit in there, you feel like there's something we've lost of value. And it's the kind of value that uh, I might care about because I've some metal attachment to the rabbit or somebody else might have an economic interest or other instrumental purposes. But the rabbit itself has value all by itself. And I think this test works for just about everything you want to uh, consider, even a grain of sand. We wouldn't even value, we, we wouldn't even treat that the same as having an empty box. If we push the button in the box, and there's nothing in there, no change, the grain of sand, if it gets annihilated, there's still a change in the universe there. I think what we're tracking is some kind of loss of intrinsic value. So take the universe as a whole, it's all connected, it's all entangled together. You've got all these creatures, and who knows what kind of creatures there are on other planets. Um, We don't have a universe that is um, what I would call in the essay flat or uninteresting. So if you change the physical parameters slightly, uh, the people who do the fine tuning argument tell us if the physical parameters would change just a little bit, our universe would not support any stable objects at all. It would just be this kind of uninteresting soup of uh, particles, right? Um, I don't think that kind of universe, I call a flat universe, I don't think it, it has the kind of intrinsic value that ours does where you have these complicated, interesting structures, things that are capable of consciousness, capable of even feeling pain, and then to have a universe where all these things are connected together in all these interesting ways. Um, one way of thinking about the universe is that it's a single giant object that's entangled together if this picture of intrinsic value is right and the universe is as vast as we think it is, there's just an awful lot of intrinsic value out there, not just on our planet, but really in every corner of the universe.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think that's super helpful thinking about like the idea of like, going back to the idea of like, does like a little like ant, or does a little like little atom have value? And I think like you and I would say like, yes, it does have value. Um, And it may not like maybe like that little atom floating off behind Pluto might not happen have nearly as much value as like you and me but like if it has value then, then, it, then it's good um and that's something that like that has to we have to consider when we're thinking about the problem of evil um especially like, when we get to like conscious beings like you and me or even like you know different examples of like um you talk about people who commit like horrendous acts of evil or animals that cause like acts of suffering or things like this like th- there's value there and there's something good about them and i think that's super helpful in illuminating that um when thinking about like the idea of the universe where we have all everything um, we're putting all these th- little things of little value and big value, and you know, putting them all together. And, like there's something very valuable, I guess you could say, about um, putting it all together. So yeah, I think that's great.
1: Yeah, we can hear here. We can hear. I think if you're a student of the history of philosophy, echoes of Leibniz, you know, and the idea that we have, um, maybe not the best possible world. That's not what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. a world that is um, that that mirrors divine goodness in different ways, yeah. and also is a combination of diversity of forms with simplicity of laws so you have this really complicated universe and and we also have to think about you know vast stretches of space and time so you know we, we we look at short time spans because we only live for a short time relatively speaking but the universe of course is still unfolding you know and will continue to unfold for a long time and so we don't we don't even know exactly all the forms that are going to be Um, emerging from this uh, you know amazing space that uh, that we're talking about here and so uh, yeah I think the picture is uh, uh, this would give God a justifying reason for creating a world like ours not a requiring reason but one that would explain why uh, God might think it would be good to be such a place uh, and such a such a a thing a unified thing with all these amazing components or parts to it
0: Mm, yeah that's great thanks Scott so what about here's here's a question i have so obviously like our world we're we're gonna say it's valuable but someone may push back and say like hey scott like wouldn't like a world with like maybe like less suffering or less horrendous evil wouldn't that be more valuable than the world that like we live in and if that's true wouldn't that give god more of a reason to create that world rather than this world
1: yeah that could be um yeah i'm not sure about that um i mean i guess the i'm not trying to argue that this is the best possible world right um the only argument i'm Exploring here is whether the intrinsic value makes the world good enough to justify God in creating mm-hmm. yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but could there be a better world? Uh, maybe there could be a better universe. Um, would it be? Would it have less death or less pain? Um, some people think it's easy to imagine uh, transforming our world in such a way that uh, systematically, so that there is less pain and less death, in, in ways that would make the overall universe better. And I suppose we can talk about particular uh, ways in which you might have changed our world. Um, But I'm not sure, um, I mean, from the restrictions that I set on myself from the outset, that God creates a world and sort of lets it spin on its own without intervention. I I think Peter Van Inwagen has a really interesting reply to this question. He says, uh, we don't really know what worlds are possible in the sense that we don't know what sort of systems of laws you could create that would lead to creatures uh, that are interesting uh, like the ones we find in this world uh, without also having the kinds of suffering and pain and death that we have in this world so it's really hard to say without giving a really detailed proposal it's really hard to say um, here's how it would have been uh here's how to create a better world than the one we have it's just not clear um, that there's there's a an alternative that on the whole results in a better situation than the one we have, uh, unless it also involves maybe God intervening in some ways. And that introduces irregularity, which diminishes, in some sense, the intrinsic value of the whole. But these are really hard judgments, I don't have a lot of confidence in them, I don't have a lot of confidence in the claim. um, I don't know, I don't have a lot of confidence in the claim that we can imagine a better world. But I also, you know, I, I, I suppose somebody, somebody could persuade me otherwise but again i'm not trying to say that this is the best possible i'm just trying to say it's a pretty good one and that and that's the kind of uh, strategy that i'm taking in the paper is that it's good enough to justify god in creating it because of its intrinsic value that was the idea i was hoping to explore
0: hmm. so this is great and i like how you like you're like saying hey like Maybe my theodicy, like, it can't answer, like, everything. It can't answer, like, maybe, like, this world rather than that world. Um, and maybe it can't explain, like, horrendous evils. Um, But you're really specific and pointing to, like, hey, like, we have this idea, like, the, the universe is valuable. And this intrinsic value is going to give um, some sort of, like a, like, a very plausible theodicy to get us run in terms of answering the problem of evil. So maybe, Scott, where we could close this is wondering, like, how does this provide a reason for God to create the universe? Um, I think this would be a great place to kind of wrap up this interview is thinking about – um the world is intrinsically valuable, like how is this going to provide a reason for God to create the universe?
1: Yeah. So there's, there's some really interesting questions here about, um, about reasons and value. And some other authors have written more eloquently than I could about this. Um, So for instance, um, uh, Mark Johnston in a paper called, Why Did Not the One Remain Alone? uh, talks about why God might create, and he points out that If you are a theist, you believe that no matter what God does, he can't make the universe any better, because God's already got infinite intrinsic value all by himself, so to speak. You know, prior to creation, if there's such a thing. Um, So it can't be that God's reason for creating is to make the world better, because it can't really get better. Um, And his answer is that God creates to manifest his goodness. Uh, Others have suggested God creates to share his goodness uh, with creatures. Others have suggested God wants to share God's love. And of course, love is a relationship with another uh, entity. It's not just, um, you could love merely possible things, I suppose, in loving the idea of them, but to really love something, it has to be there. And so um, there there are all these different ideas about why God might create the world. Um, And and the the, the intrinsic value approach is designed to say, well, even though this wouldn't be required for god you know it could be the case that by creating a world like this a thing of great intrinsic value um god has uh, ha- has shared god's goodness and so he shares it in a way with with uh with lesser um with lesser stuff I and mean, we don't have the kind of god god can't share infinite goodness with another being you know that's not possible But God can create things of intrinsic value that are sort of uh, reflections of God's goodness and and reflections of God's um, power, creative power, you know, so um, this kind of connects back to these other reasons why God might create anything at all. Um, But the idea is to sort of think of creation as uh, reflecting God's goodness in, in the way not just the traditional ways where it manifests design and
0: intelligence and all these other things, but also the the intrinsic values of all the parts. Mm. So even in spite of, um, I guess not even in spite of but looking at like the idea of like the universe being very valuable, um, that might be give God a reason to create it because like God's looking like for value. And like he sees when he's thinking like creating the world, he says in this world, like there may be like suffering and challenges and trauma and all these things, but there's also immense value in just um, the existence of that world. So. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, even
1: if we didn't have any human beings in the universe, the universe would be a thing of tremendous intrinsic value. Uh, But then you add human beings and maybe other kinds of creatures, and who knows what will happen in the future. Um, Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing, uh, the world. And, And like I said, you know, we're accustomed to thinking of this in the way that I suppose most scientists do that you look at the universe and you say it's mostly empty and it's mostly full of inanimate stuff and it's uninteresting and it's neutral in value and what i'm suggesting is we need to see even those things as having positive intrinsic value even though even though it's maybe a small degree for a grain of sand or you know a particle somewhere Uh, the vastness of the universe actually counts in favor of its excellence and so Mm -hmm. um, that's the proposal anyway Uh, that's my idea that's the one i'm throwing out there
0: yeah i like that and i think people when they raise it the, like the objection to like the vastness of the universe isn't it like an argument against god they're looking at almost like, like what utilities is that providing us to have such a big universe and you're kind of saying like it doesn't like we can just say like it's just like that's valuable and this gives god a reason for to create it and like there's something good about um that star that's 18 gazillion light years away that we're never going to know about um
1: and yeah i really like that point and i think it's really important mm-hmm. you know we we uh think about the history of religion and the idea Uh, you know, among ancient people that human beings were the center of the universe, literally, in so many Mm ways. We've come to discover that we're not the center of the universe in so many ways. But, uh, you know, we still sort of think of things that, are they good? Well, how do they affect us? You know, and the idea behind intrinsic value is, well, some things are just good on their own, whether or not they're good for us. And I Mm -hmm. think that that shift in perspective is an opening for us to appreciate creation in a way uh, that, you know, maybe we haven't as much as we
0: should. Mm, that's great. That's a great shift in perspective and thinking about like the problem of evil and like that can be helpful in like other dialogues on the problem of evil as well. So yeah, that's great. Um, we'll Scott, see. it's been, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. um, yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, this has been really good. And I've really enjoyed this conversation and I feel like we got a lot in, even though it's only been like 30 minutes. Do you have anything else you want to say? Like, uh, yeah, I'll leave it open to you before we wrap up. I just want to
1: say uh you know like i said at the outset i'm not i'm not this is not the fiance i believe or that i'm convinced is true it's just sort of let's think about this together and and what what does intrinsic value apply for the problem of evil but i just want to encourage people you know to to think think for yourself think things through try ideas out talk with people um you never know where they're going to go maybe they're going to be dead ends most of my most of my ideas are dead ends uh but you know you just got to keep trying and uh i appreciate the opportunity to share some of my ideas today so thanks for having me
0: on yeah thanks for coming on scott this has been great um encourage people to check out scott's work um there's a lot of great stuff there and i just enjoy thinking about things like this um and yeah i'll put a link down below where people can follow find you or connect with you or things like that and yeah that's it everyone thank you for tuning in today this is here to apologetics super glad you joined us today if you value our content be sure to like subscribe. All that fun stuff. Really appreciate your support, and if you value us, um, you can go over and become a patron at Patreon.com. So here Projects. Goal cool is to get one new patron a month, and on our way to thirty patrons. So if that's you, um, you can do it for as little as dollar a month, and that'd be great. But that's it, everyone. Have a God. God bless, and we'll catch you next time.